Walk in boldness as I have given you. Stay full of my word. Full, 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 full. Stay full <laughs> and worship me. And oh, you will see what greater works you will do. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Praise you. Yeah, praise, praise God. Hallelujah. Praise Hallelujah. Glory to God. Gosh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, hallelujah. Glory to God. Ooh, shake it. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. You know, all I can say is, if would you stay full of word, just like even in singing, the anointing and worshiping, the anointing falls. And that's, that's what we need. We need him. You can't do those things. You can't do any greater works without him. But you stay full of the word, full of God, worshiping him, getting into his word and not just going blah, blah, blah. Oh, I read my chapter. It has to be deeper than that. And meditate on his word. And you'll go forth. And revival will come. And a great awakening. You know that scripture in Ephesians, it, is, it says about wake up thou that sleepest it, it's given to the church wake up you that sleep <laughs> arise from the dead and christ rise from the dead just think what that's saying it's saying it to the church because there's people just blah you know rise from the dead and christ will give you light he'll, he'll go with you he'll follow you he'll do it We've got to be brave and bold and not care what people think anymore. The time is late and the day is short. <laughs> and it's time. It's time for all of that. Glory to God. You know what? Let's just sing hallelujah, hallelujah again to it. Ah! Hallelujah. Oh, he's so worthy. Thank you, Father, Good. for that word. Thank you for you're so faithful. Yeah. We Praise showed God. up and you met us. Woo. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
Say the time is now. So let's let's all just we're gonna we're gonna you can be seated now. <laughs> we're gonna receive the tithes and offerings. <laughs> we can have fellowship later. <laughs> you know what? We've okay. So I'm gonna sort of give. Right, I'm going to give. Okay, folks. <laughs> I'm going to give almost the same. Um, tithe and offering little uh, sermon as I did on Wednesday uh, because you know what first uh, let's um, can you put the love confession up on from 1 Corinthians 13 4 through 8 out of the amplified whoops am I echoing echoing a little bit there hallelujah glory to God praise you Lord Jesus now, are you saying this every day? Yes. <laughs> One person. <laughs> Doesn't take that much time. <laughs> because as you go out throughout the day, you'll say, ooh, yeah, love. <laughs> takes no account of the evil done to it. Somebody just said something to you that offended you. That might, might you know, offenses will come. But, but you go, that's all right. Love takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to his suffered wrong. See, as you get this inside of you, it's extremely important. Okay, so last Wednesday I started out and I said, you know what, you plant a seed and you get a harvest. I, I said, no. <laughs> no, remember? <laughs> Everybody was all happy. And then I went, no. <laughs> because in between, now th this because I heard Nancy Dufresne say that her, uh, you know, Dr. Dufresne, um, her dad was a farmer. First, Nancy's dad was a farmer, a wheat and cotton farmer. And they went out and looked at the, the fields as farmers do, we live out in the country and they're always going out and looking at you know, their crops all over the place right now. And um, so Ed was with him and Ed said, you plant a seed and you get a harvest. And he said, no. <laughs> he, said, he said, there's more to it than that. And you know, I hear, I hear the planes. There was one this morning, crop dusting <laughs> out there. 
we're not farmers, but we live out there. And it was right, there's an experimental field right across from us, and they were crop dusting. You know, it's like, that must have what it sounded like in wartime. But anyway, because there may be insects, they have to get rid of the weeds. There's, uh, you know, they have to fertilize the ground and, and do all these things. And even us, we have to fertilize our own ground, right? You have to break up the fallow ground. Maybe things have happened to you and that you have fallow ground. I mean, you have hardness. It even says that in Jeremiah, break up the fallow ground, break your ground up, Lord. Or you can ask the Lord to break up the ground of your child or something that's gone astray and uh, break up their ground and pour your rain, your water on it. See, it's got to be watered. It is, it's been very, uh, not much rain this year. There's a lot of burned up things and the farmers are irrigating like crazy. So you know that all these things, and that's the same thing. We can plant a seed, but that seed won't take into a harvest unless we're walking in love. And then I heard another CD by Nancy Dufresne, and she said, and this was like way back, and she said something about she was, she was talking to them about prosperity. And he says, the Lord said to her one morning, you've got to back up. She said, back up? We're really making progress in that prosperity because we all need to know that we're not supposed to be poor. We're supposed to take over. And you can't do it without my money, but your heart's got to be right. You can't love money. You've got to love God first. Okay, so he's talking about, she was talking about, and he, he said, none of the prosperity will work. Your seed won't even work unless you're walking in love. And those are all the weeds and the, and the, the different things that are, you know, hard ground, hardness of heart, because you haven't been in the word or you have, you know, there could be unforgiveness, all those things. Okay, so see, reaping and then also <clears throat> the reaping is not automatic. The farmers take, they leave that, they leave that seed, you know, grow in the ground and you have to do all these things to it and then you get a harvest and uh, we used Ecclesiastes 11:4. he that observes the wind just oh yeah the wind is windy you know he will not sow and he that regards the clouds shall not reap uh, you know everything's gonna be okay God's gonna do this God's gonna do don't take God for granted Worship him, love him. You know, you can tell even when the singing, when someone's been full of the word, you can feel the anointing. I'm just telling you that there's, you can fake it all you want, but you can't fake it in God's realm with the anointing. You have to be real and not a fake. <laughs> so in between that sowing, I put the farmer, they get weeds, uh, they, um, uh, they have to fertilize, they have harmful insects, they may have to irrigate, crop dust, they need the warmth of the, in the sun, and you know what, it's the same with, the, our, same with your garden at home, and the same thing with the garden in your heart, and your heart is a garden, and you can't let that car, 
Your heart will get hard when you are in unforgiveness or you're in strife or you've been gossiping about somebody or not looking for the best in everybody. Uh, all those little things that we're going to read with meaning right now. Okay, so we, I have to, we have to forgive, we have to walk in love, we have to watch our words, we have to avoid gossip. Uh, okay, so let's let's say the love this love confession. Well, you don't have to say it. I'll I'll just say it. But love endures. Okay, you got it up there out of the amplified. Okay, love endures long. Just I mean, just you can stop right there and meditate on that. You don't get impatient with people. Love endures long, and it's patient. Well, then it says that right after. And it's kind. It's kind even while it's trying to be patient. Instead of crabby with the person, or say, yeah, you never do what I tell you to do. You don't listen to me. Don't, don't do that. You probably didn't either at first. You know what I mean? With this, uh, somebody that's gone astray, a teenager or something, be patient when they come back to you. Love never, now this is another one, it's never envious because somebody got a higher position than you did. <laughs> or they took your place or whatever. Love is never envious, nor does it boil, boy, that word boil, over with jealousy. It's not boastful or vainglorious because we couldn't do anything without him. It does not display itself haughtily. Woohoo! No. Okay. It is not conceited. Now that means you're kind of arrogant. You ever met arrogant people? <laughs> and inflated with pride. It is not rude or unmannerly. I mean, we've got to talk, speak with love to other people. Speak, speak kindly. You can correct, but speak kindly when you're doing it. And it does not, does not act unbecomingly. You get all dramatic and, whoa, you know, like in church. But I've seen it. I've seen it in all these years. And those are things that we should be above the man down the street who's acting like the world and he doesn't know any better. Or maybe like we used to act. Okay, love. God's love in us does not insist on its own rights. Well, I got my rights and I'm going to take them. Yeah. Or its own way. For there's so much more to this you can but think what you're saying. For it is not self-seeking. This is all for my good. I don't really give a, anything about those other people. Don't be self-seeking. Like husbands and wives. Be don't be self-centered. Give more than you get. Pays off. It is, it is not touchy, Ooh. and everybody's dramatic, and everybody gets offended real fast. Come on, we need to grow above that. You'll, you'll stay down here all the time. You'll stay, you know, well, I got born again, big deal. <laughs> Let's move above all that other stuff and not be offended. Okay, it is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account. <laughs> I don't know if we always, of the evil done to it, it pays no attention 
to a suffered wrong. <laughs> and maybe we're not there yet, you know, and some of that, but, but at least you recognize it. That's what the Bible says, so I'm not going to act up. I feel it in here, but see, you can overcome that. That's, that's just feelings. Okay, it doesn't rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, like saying that maybe the, all the politicians that are, you know, not for the church in, in Washington, you know, whoa, they got theirs. <laughs> no, we should be to a point where we would be more happy if they got born again and spirit-filled and repented. Or if somebody's done something wrong to you and all of a sudden they said they kind of reap what they sow and you go, yeah, no, 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 no. That's not God. But it rejoices when right and when truth prevail. It bears up. Love bears up under anything. Everything that comes. It is ever ready to believe the best of every person. It's hopes are fadeless. Your hope is fadeless when you do that. Under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening, without grumbling, without complaining. Let me give you one little thing. Um, uh, everybody know uh, Cory Ten Boom? Yeah. Cory Ten Boom was hiding Jewish people. Her, her father and mother and, and her two... She and her sister were hiding a lot of Jewish people. They weren't Jewish themselves, but they were hiding them, and they were from, where were they from? Oh, Holland? I don't know. Yeah, someplace in there. And they got caught by, by Hitler and the Nazis, and um, they got put into prison. Her father died in prison. Her mother died. Um, in fact, her sister died, too, because she was... She, uh, Corey herself was stronger, even in her body. She was stronger than her sister, and her sister was, and, and they beat her and beat her and beat her because her sister, and she had to stand there and watch it. Well, anyway, though, before that, there's a couple of stories. See, she took, she was ever ready to believe the best of every person. They would come in, this, this uh, high-ranking officer would take her into his office, and interrogate her about where they hid stuff and all these things he would do it and she would have so much love for him as someone that was not born again and she would speak to him with love she would just answer him with some love and and she said i'm concerned about the salvation of your soul <laughs> and she kept talking to him and one day he brought her back in there he brought her back in there and he says, look, let's see, I got all the evidence <laughs> against you and you, you would be in fact put in the furnace today. And he says, but this is what I'm going to do. And he threw it in the fireplace. <sighs> and then on top of that, so she was released actually. Well, then, then she started preaching after she got out and World War II was done and all that stuff. And then one day she saw this man walk in and she went, oh my gosh, that's, that's the soldier that kept beat my sister till she would be laying there just bleeding and couldn't move. I know, it's terrible. <laughs> I can imagine. Because she couldn't lift these huge rocks. I mean, I, don't, I couldn't either. Well, and... and um, and 
uh, she kept preaching and she looked away and and she thought okay and he got born again he came to the altar and she went God I'm not sure if I've forgiven him but she came up to him and, and she told him who she was <laughs> and he didn't even realize it <laughs> but she said I forgive you and they became friends isn't that something I mean, now that's what you call looking for the best in every person. Woo! Whoa. Okay, so let's see. Did we finish it? Um, okay, there was, yeah. Okay, just one more. Verse 8. Love, in fact, just the beginning of it. Love never fails. You see, her love, her, her love was real for people. It never fades or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. I mean, you know, romantic love and mother love. That's not, this, that isn't the kind of love this is. This is agape love. That's uh, uh, eros love and phileo love. There's three different kinds. And, but the love of God is different. It's agape. It's totally unconditional. He died for us on the cross. I didn't expect to say all this, but that's just the... Okay, go to Ephesians 4. And this was something that um, we could probably all <laughs> memorize and say every morning. It's verse 29, Ephesians 4, 29. It says, let no corrupt communication out of the King James first. Then we, maybe we should go to the Amplified too, but let's go King James. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't, you know what? Grieve actually means cry. The Holy Spirit cries. He lives in us because we're born again and he's got to put up with all that. <laughs> Listen to it. I've been there too. I, I remember once the phone turned off. <laughs> I swore the Holy Ghost did it. <laughs> like, stop it, Jackie. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> That's how I felt. I went, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Honestly, you don't even under, some, realize it. Sometimes you're doing stuff. And don't grieve. Don't make him cry. The whole, I, I heard that from Keith Moore, that it means grieve means cry in the Greek. <laughs> the Holy Spirit of God, do not offend. Or, or now I'm in the Amplified. Grieve, okay. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed to the day of redemption. You have a down payment of the Holy Spirit, just like you put a down payment on a house so you could keep your salvation. You can lose it, though, if you really want to. Let all bitterness, let all that bitterness, let all the wrath and the anger about somebody that somebody did something to you and the clamor and all, blah, 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 that kind of clamor is like, you know, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, be tender hearted forgiving one another no matter how bad it was even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you you know remember Lonnie Hilton came here and he was talking about the guy who raped and murdered this this her mother's only child a daughter 
And she was, I, I even think she was going, she was studying to be a doctor. And she came home to visit, she was gonna, on her way home, he raped and murdered. And that mother was a good Christian and she forgave that man and they became good friends. And they actually lived then in the same apartment building. She helped him with money after he got out of prison and stuff. But I don't even know how he got out of prison. <laughs> but from God, just like Randy Greer did. Yeah. And then got forgiven of all his past, too, from the government. <laughs> uh, miracles, because he's a preaching. Now, see, this pays off. But if you don't, don't really study it, if you don't really say it, because you need to get it to such a point where it's so real in your heart that a situation, you can be in a situation just like that, and it'll come up, it'll come into your mind. Things come from your spirit. You've got to store away the word in your spirit. It isn't a mind thing. If you're not born again, yeah, that's why you can't listen to preachers who don't, aren't even born again. I don't care what kind of degrees they have. And I'm not putting that down because people don't know any better. I'm not putting it down, but I just realized that. I, I wasn't a Christian for 40 years. And then I became one and saw the difference between it. Well, I was, I was telling my, my um, great nephew in, uh, no, he'd be my nephew in Alaska yesterday, finally called him, because my sister's been put into a nursing home. But, um, and he's the only one, they have seven children, and he's the only one that's born again. And he was just so happy to hear, you know, how was it, where was I going with that? Um, yeah. Yeah, but, but uh, there was something else behind that, but um, you have to, look at people with love and that's what he's trying to do too because he's been rejected by the whole family <laughs> yeah i don't want to ever i don't want you to ever call me or talk to me again that's got to hurt and he's in his 60s already <laughs> so um he said let's just pray together so we did over the phone i haven't talked to him for years and years and years that's yeah but yeah, it's just, uh, you know, there's so much out there that you got to love. And that's what I was telling them. There's not too many churches in Alaska that are like born again, spirit filled churches. And he is spirit filled, but goes to a church that is, that's the only one he has. So, and he has a family too, a wife and kids. Uh, anyway, I don't know why I told you all that. <laughs> yeah, there was something more behind it. I said, no, well, no matter what, Oh, I said to him, you know, though, when I was a little girl going to a Catholic school, the nun told me, whenever you go to communion, ask Jesus. Well, at my first communion, she said, take Jesus in your heart. And I did, because I was always interested. Yeah, were you told that too? Yep. See, not all of them told. I, I talked to various ones. Anybody else in here? Uh, that was... <laughs> same denomination um, and she told me and I really did and I was pretty sincere about about the Lord but just didn't have any teaching until I was 40 <laughs> anyway so he says you know 
my mom was the first one that told me because my mother told all of us four girls about the Lord a lot. I mean, they were strict German people, but in some ways it was good. So anyway, there's always hope for your relatives and when you want to get them, make sure that we're bo they're born again. Anyway, before they pass. Okay, well, with all that, let's pass out. <laughs> that, was, that was a long one, but that was all part, half of my sermon anyway. Part of it. Just trying to follow the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Father God, I just thank you for the privilege and honor it is to even give into the kingdom of God. And Father, if we have any conviction at all in our spirit, and we do, Lord God, this seed, this money, will go into the kingdom of God. So we praise you and we thank you, Father. You said in Philippians 4.19 that you, if we make you truly God, you could just say, my God, my but God. is he really your God? See, that's what I mean. Have you made him God over your life? Yeah. Do you walk in love? That's making God God. Yeah. My God shall supply. It's absolutely guaranteed. He shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And that riches in glory is huge. It's huge up in heaven, and he's just waiting to pour out his glory. But see your glory. Remember, we used to have go from, go from glory to glory. We're going to get that wall fixed someday. But that glory starts down here, and then it goes higher, 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 higher. And it's according to the riches of glory where you want to be. But folks, you've got to get in the word. You See, I asked you, please say this every day. I want to move forward as a church. I want revival to come. I, I don't, I don't want, I'm not just a person who wants to stay here. Time is getting late. late. I'm getting older. <laughs> Symptoms trying to creep up on me. You know what? And I want to move, but I want to see the rest of you take over <laughs> too. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Okay, let's just receive it. Okay. Hallelujah. Well, you could be seated. And uh, are there announcements or? We're kind of getting used to a different order, so we should, probably should have done these way back, but that's all right. Okay. Uh, you didn't do the, anything. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay, so we have a couple of new guests here. I, I'll just go ahead. Stand up. <laughs> Praise God. Hey. So, yeah. And they're from Everly's Church, Spirit of Faith in, in Iowa. That's one of the best churches. That, Marietta's favorite churches. <laughs> um, okay, be sure to silence your phones and stuff like that. I'm usually the worst one, but I did do it. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, from now on, the nursery is going to be available 20 minutes before every every uh, service, like at 20 to 10. The nursery will be available. 
Okay, and uh, there's some birthdays, August 5th, Abby Smith. Her, I said she's here. Yeah, woo, happy birthday. <laughs> Tabitha Henriksen, is she here? Yay, Miss Tabby. Anyway, um, Chris Ann Mueller, and she's in the nursery right now. Hey, Luis Sufuentes. Luis is coming back. Pam Egbers. <laughs> and Sarah Cross. Whoa. So, Sarah, how old are you going to be? 76. Praise the Lord. And the 31st anniversary of Tom and Stephanie Tobin. <laughs> you made it. Oh, okay. That's true. <laughs> I mean, she actually is saying it is a miracle. She's given her testimony more than once. <laughs> Hallelujah. She just came back from the Southwest Believers Convention. So if you want to touch her, <laughs> anyway, okay, so we're going we're gonna to keep the qualities of, of, of someone, one of, the, one of the qualities of someone that's walking in love, and this is, this is kind of unusual, but they are faithful. They're very faithful. You know what? Faithful. Huge. Okay, so Proverbs 31, actually, and this is, you know, the Proverbs 31 woman, um, Proverbs 31, and it's uh, verses 11 and 12, if you want to get it up there real quick. And out of the Amplified, it says, the heart of her husband trusts in her confidently. And relies on and believes in her securely, securely, so that he has no lack of honest gain or need of honest spoil, dishonest spoil. He can trust her with the charge card. He can trust her with the money. You know what? She doesn't go out and blow it. Because I've heard a lot of that going on. Who can cause a divorce? Um, um, she comforts and encourages and does him only good as long as there is life within her. And you know what? The love confession is good. He's not self-seeking. You know what? He's not your other half, or she is not your other half. You have to, God is. God is your whole, God is your whole, but you have to be totally centered on them and them so centered on you. You don't go half and half. It doesn't work. I've been married 55 years. And if my first husband died, I would have been married 60, <laughs> over 60. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I figured that out one day. I went, oh. <laughs> okay, so what makes a person faithful? And you know they won't hurt you or they're trustworthy. Um, go to Romans 13.10. Put that up there, too. Try to keep you. We're going to have uh, like a little going away lunch for Christina and Tony. Alexa and them, we have a lot of people <laughs> missing on vacation and stuff. But um, 1310. Okay, let's get it out of the Amplified. 
Love does no wrong to one's neighbor. It never hurts anyone. Therefore, love meets all the requirements and is the fulfilling of the law. And we've been talking about this for about the third or fourth week. And um, we're talking about when you love, and we'll give that scripture later, uh, John 13, 34, and 35. Love will not hurt you. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not selfish. <laughs> you know, uh, you can trust love. And remember that. First Corinthians 13, 5, don't put it up there, but it takes no account of the evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong, does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness. You got to keep that in mind. That is huge. It keeps, okay, like husbands and wives, it doesn't keep a record of the wrongs that they've done. Yeah, I remember way back when you did this and you don't do that. That's not good marriage. <laughs> It doesn't get involved in payback. Well, you reap this, you know, so I'm going to get you. <laughs> or vengeance. You know what? Human love, and I've said this before, even a mother's love doesn't compare with what we're talking about, the love of God. It can turn to hatred overnight, nor married love. This is, this is bigger. And that's why you got to put God first. You don't put your spouse first or your spouse put you first. You don't put your kids first. You put God first. See, and some people that are supposed to love each other wind up being the meanest and cruelest to each other. I've, I've seen that. See, human love says, I, okay. And that's why I hate to tell you this, but I don't like saying that one song I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you, Lord, I need you, I need you, I need you. And I, I can just hear him saying, I need you, I need you. <laughs> Go do the work I told you to do on the earth. You know what? Yeah, we need him at first, you know what? But get over it. That's baby, baby, baby. I just got born again yesterday. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ken, I need you, I need you, I can't live without you. You know what I'm saying? I'm selfish. Am I ever given to him so he, you know, he can, you know what I mean? And see, when you're with this, when you, you get into the word and you get in the spirit, you, all of a sudden that scripture came, nobody ever told me that. I went, yeah, if we always need everybody else, that's selfish. <laughs> Do you get what I'm talking about? Oh, I can't live without you. You better not can't live without him first. No human being can take that place. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, see, oh boy. <laughs> anyway. Okay, that's, that's, that's not loving them when you say, I need you, I need you, I need you, nor is it loving God. That's loving what they do for you. So it's still loving yourself more and being selfish. See, you can say, I love you with emotion and feelings. But if you hurt me, the emotion and feeling of the flesh will come up and say, well, I'm going to hurt you. But see, that is not Christianity. You slap me and I'll slap you harder. You knock me down and I'll, I won't be able to. I'll knock you down and run, run you over. But that's the way of the flesh. 
But the trouble is Christians are still is too much like that, see? But we're to walk and be led of the Spirit. The flesh can be mean. The flesh wants to retaliate. But people even teach their children to hurt people back worse than they hurt them. And you can't, don't, don't do that. Defend yourself. I know we got martial arts people here. But, but you, no, you defend yourself. But you don't hurt them worse. I, I, see, everything, almost every movie, every cowboy story is based on vengeance. Every one of them. I'm going to get even with you because you killed my wife 50 years ago. <laughs> see, don't, but don't, you can't be a, okay. We tell people, well, don't be a doormat and let other people take advantage of you or be stepped on. But no, but you know what? Sometimes you have, you, you can. As, as a Christian, because people, I always used to succumb. I've had non-Christians tell me, quit being a doormat. But you know what? Kenneth Hagin was, he was, <laughs> you'd be saying he took a two by four and, and helped kids steal. He, he would hit people because he was born, you know, with all that heart condition and he was a weakling. And as soon as he got born again, he changed. And he, he, would, he would let people take advantage of him. I'm not saying to be beat up. You need to defend yourself. If you're in a situation like a woman with, with a man and you're getting abused, you're getting beat up, you get out of there. <laughs> no, no, no. You know what? Yeah, forgive them, but you get out. If you're being even verbally abused, you know what? Look at the Lord and just don't say anything. Walk out. Call on the name of Jesus. Because all that's going to do is put you down, put you down, put you down. And see, anyone can get mad or retaliate. You know, Mr. Save down the, the, down the street does that, right? Yeah. Or say something really cruel. If they said something cruel to you, shut up. I am not kidding you. That's the way a Christian should act. Read Kenneth Hagin's and Nancy Dufresne's love book. He has story after story after story. And he was naughty before, <laughs> even though he weighed 70 pounds. And he was, you know, it was because of that heart condition. So, see, it takes the strength of the Lord when the flesh is screaming, I'm going to get even with you. I'll get you. I'm writing it down and I'm never going to forget you know, some of those love confessions are taken from different places. And one of them says, love takes no record of the wrongs done to it. See, the Bible says, give no place to wrath. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. <laughs> I can remember Tony, I'll just tell him. He was, you know, divorced. And she was, oh my God. I mean, he needed to be <laughs> divorced. Anyway, but anyway. Maybe I'm, <laughs> oh well. And anyway, this was way back. <laughs> but he thought, yeah. And then he became a Christian and he thought, yeah. Lord, he saw that scripture. He says, take vengeance. <laughs> but you know what? That, that isn't what it means. <laughs> it doesn't mean 
that, <laughs> that God's going to take vengeance on the person who hurt you. What he does, vengeance, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. He isn't repaying the person who hurts you. He's going to put back everything that they stole from you. Even, even in thinking, feeling bad about yourself, being have a low self-esteem, he'll put it back into you. And if it's money, he'll give it back to you. It's everything. Do you, and do you know where I got that from? Bill Winston. And he had revelation knowledge of it, and I know he's right. When I heard that, I went... Oh my gosh, you know, that's why sometimes it pays to listen to people like him because they got some revelation knowledge and that was the first time I understood that scripture. Okay, so now think of the Hippocratic oath that the physicians take. And you know what came to me? When, well, I used to be a nurse, but um, that it, go, okay, well, it goes back to Hippocrates, the father of medicine, and it's not always practiced today. But there's different forms of it that are observed. And one of the things most known about it is the O says, original O says, parts of it say, be, have confidentiality, a part, that's a part of faithfulness, being confidential. And all of a sudden, you know, when I, when I was thinking about this, I went, oh, that's why we sign HIPAA forms. That, that's that's taken I didn't even it just clicked now because yeah. we never had that way back when I was first a nurse and now we signed those HIPAA forms like for and I thought duh that was taken from the Hippocratic oath HIPAA oh, yeah. <laughs> it occurred to me <laughs> yes the nursey back there is going uh -huh. <laughs> the two nurses anyway the three nurses here the third one finally got it okay so the things you know about another person could bring damage to them when you tell them in, a, in another's eyes and makes other people. And, you know, uh, we've all probably been there and uh, repent, <laughs> but, you know, you, you tell something and then when you see that person, it makes you feel, you know, you, yeah, I didn't know they did that. Uh, it makes you uh, look at them a little lower. And if love does not repeat it. Yes. Love does not tell it. Yes. So Proverbs eleven thirteen, and I'm just going to give you the scripture for sake of time. Yes. He who gives goes about as a tale bearer reveals secrets. Uh -huh. But he who is trustworthy and faithful in his spirit keeps the matter hidden. A different translation says that he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps the thing hidden. Yeah. See, and that's one of the most common areas where Christians fail to keep the love command. Been there too? Tell things you should not tell. You know, a husband or a wife telling other men and women about each other is another huge mistake. Telling them their shortcomings. You know, or being unfaithful. That's like being unfaithful almost. See, it's a betrayal of confidence and it's unfaithfulness. And really, I'm sure that we've all done it. But, you know, but just just know that that's not right. Repent. So even in people in church together, people working together, in families together, there's too much unfaithfulness. 
And, and it hurts them in the eyes of, of people you are telling it to. It hurts them. And it makes them think less of you. Okay. That reminds me. And I was going to tell the whole ministry of helps. Okay, yeah, by rights, I'm the leader of this church. And when you go to school, they tell you if something is wrong or something that you're, you, uh, you, you should say, well, my leader told me to do that. But in a church setting, what happens is you tell them that and they quit coming to church. See, that's why they're using other people because I'm trying to give the word to them and then it stops. It's a huge different thing. See, we're not in the world system. We're in the God system. So be careful of that. Be Please be careful. It has driven people out of here. And you know what? I didn't even say some of the stuff they said. <laughs> that I said. And I got blamed for it and they're gone. And see, so what good does it do them? We could be responsible for them not growing in the Lord. Or maybe they weren't even born again. See, so I'm just telling you that. So I now don't have to tell it the ministry of helps, meaning when I have it. <laughs> no. <laughs> or you, somebody might say, oh, I just need someone to vent on. And you can't talk without making them look bad. See, unfaithfulness discloses things that should be confidential. And it makes your spouse, your family, your friends, your co-workers look bad. And people think less of them, and you hurt them. I mean, you might be able to tell about a story if people don't know who you're talking about. As an example, you know, that's different. Don't say the names. See, the further you go in ministry, you see there is nothing more important than loving each other. Because nothing else works. Without love, none of it works. Fact, where is that? Matthew. Uh, it says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But then it says, On this hangs all the law and all the prophet. The whole Bible hangs on love. And when you don't love, yeah, you might be tithing, but it's not, or giving off and giving. Here, I want to tell you something. You can't just give 10%. You're supposed to give a little offering. I mean, even if it's 50 cents. That's planting your seed. Your tithe isn't your offering. That's another thing. People get that fixed up. And it, you know what? I have never, okay, and don't get offended, but I'm going to say it. From the day I was a Christian, or we were Christians, when we tithed, and you tithe on what the the, what do you call it, the uh, gross? You tied on the gross because the government already took out what you were supposed to get. The government did trust you, but God trusts you that you're going to tithe on the gross. But this is another thing. So you got $50.75. So people actually take 10% of it and they give, oh, okay, so it's $5.32 or so. I'm, I'm just blowing that out there I thought what I always rounded off to the next number in fact I oh yes <laughs> see that's why you blessed that's why you didn't get killed if you would have seen that car 
that Leah was in, it was totally all destroyed, right? Husband? <laughs> I mean, it was like crushed. And she, she crawled out of it. And this other guy, his, his car was not. She was involved in somebody trying to escape going 100 miles an hour. I don't know what he was doing. Police were after him. And he whammed her in another car. The other guy was an Uber driver. The other one, and they were hurt. And hers was much worse looking. And she wasn't hurt. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> it wasn't just the tithing, but her relationship with God, too. It pays to serve the Lord. Okay. Uh, I don't even know where I was now. But anyway. Okay. To respect and honor. Okay. What? No, I was going to say something else. The more you get to the know, know the Lord, you find there is nothing more important than loving. But loving God. All other subjects get less than God. I mean, less than love, not less than God. Sorry. <laughs> Delete. <laughs> okay. But, but to respect and honor and look for the good in each other. And how we treat each other is absolutely number one in God's eyes. And it should be in your eyes. Believe me, I made many, 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 many mistakes. But thank God he's a merciful God. Thank God he's a forgiving God. And you maybe you may not have... You say, well, I didn't mean it. But you know what? Every time, do you, don't you get, my heart gets grieved. I go, what's wrong? And the Holy Ghost will say. It might even be, well, I'm in a grocery store two days later. And he said, you said, and you, I went, oh my gosh. He's talking to you. You need to repent. <laughs> okay. That's what's wrong. And you know what? Because there's like an icky feeling. And then you do that and it's gone. <laughs> See, you realize how important words are and how powerful your words can be when they're done in a negative way. Uh, the trouble is you're going to reap what you sow eventually too. And it can cause strife. It can cause division and even failure. In others, because they may have been down in the first place, and they feel all the more worse. See, you wonder why your heart is grieved, and it could be because you caused someone to look smaller in the eyes of others. One little suggestion. It may, yeah, it may make someone else prejudiced against that person. And you know what? I don't mind if you say, no, let's not talk about that. I'm the pastor, and I'm going... Oh, yeah. they're better than I am. <laughs> I don't. I don't mind if you do that because I'd rather. Sometimes you gotta. You gotta be aware. So okay, your word. You know, maybe your words do things, and you didn't even realize that they were doing it. Right? You can make somebody feel inferior. You can make them have low self-esteem, insecurity, and you know. And if if you. If you feel that way yourself, it'll make you say things to make yourself look better and make them look lower. You know, so then you, that's why you do that. But that's why you got to build yourself up in the word and get over that. It may have come from your background. 
And it's a deceitfulness of the, it's really a deceitfulness of the devil. And, you know, there may, there may be certain areas you could do better, but lowering someone else never works. And when, when you hurt someone else in the eyes of others, you're in violation of the New Testament commandment, which is the commandment of love. And you've done them harm and not good. Now put up John 13, 34 and 35. We had this last week, too. And it, it took care of, of the, well, the Ten Commandments. Okay, I give you a new commandment. That you should love, he gives us a new commandment. That you should love one another. Now this is before he even went to the cross. Just as I have loved you, so you too should love one another. Do the next one. But this shall all men know, that you are my disciples, if you love one another, and if you keep on showing love among yourselves. See, Disciples are disciplined followers, and we're still disciples. You know, all of us, like when I was in a different denomination, I thought, oh, yeah, that's, you know, God wrote the Bible, and that was for all them way back there. It's for us now, especially the New Testament and especially the letters, the epistles. And that's something you should read because it's written to the church. So in that Hippocratic Oath, he said, make it a habit of these two things. If you can't help them, don't hurt them or do them harm. So remember, Romans 13, 10, love does no harm to its neighbor. It never hurts anyone. And love, then it says, love is the fulfilling of the Old Testament law, even of the Ten Commandments. So in this new covenant, we have only one, and it's the one I just read. It's love. What about the Ten Commandments? If you keep the one commandment of love, you're not going to steal from people. You're not going to commit adultery. You're not going to do any of the things that were in the Ten Commandments. One thing I'll give the church that I was going to, we had to memorize those. And there was lots of things. I mean, at least I know about God. And, you know, at least that nun told me I should receive Jesus in my heart. <laughs> See, but by, by, if I love you, I won't hurt you. And even by lying to someone, though, yeah. or using you for my purpose, you know, you're are committing adultery. You're committing adultery with your spouse because you're talking about, you know what, or telling them the false. But you're not going to steal from people. Or do things like that. See, just know the devil is a deceiver, a deceiver, a deceiver. And the devil is even working in our government now to, to deceive people. But people, tongue-talking Christians are hurting each other. And it's a deception of the devil, and many justify themselves in it. Now, Judas betrayed Jesus, right? Was he unfaithful? Yes? Yes. And how did he do that? He sold Jesus out to his enemies. How did he set him up and bring people who wanted to kill him? How did, oh, he greeted them with a kiss. What a hypocrite. See, he had to justify him some way 
in his actions. And he did it for money. Judas did that for money. Yeah, but how many times would we sell somebody out? Let's say you, you, you gambled or something and you owed a debt. And it was to a point where they were threatening you because I tell you what, a lot of gambling's associated with the mafia. The mafia is still are organizations like that. You know how I know that? I had a relative who was murdered in Omaha <laughs> because he gambled and he owed him money. And I found out later he kept, and they said that he committed suicide. He didn't. He was killed by the mafia. He was a hairdresser. <laughs> Yeah. When I dyed my hair with the wrong kind of hair dye when I was a teenager, <laughs> and it turned green, <laughs> he helped me out. <laughs> but, but I'll tell you what, a lot of that is associated. See, Judas did it for money. And there are theologians that are probably not born again that try to justify Judas for doing that. But he was a traitor, he was unfaithful, and that's the bottom line. People try to just, don't try to justify yourself with stuff. Just plain repent, you know. <laughs> and you, you might say, well, I just couldn't take it any longer. I had to tell somebody the truth about those people. But, well, how many of us have done that, though? And we need to shut up. <laughs> Do you have to be the one who sticks the knife in the back of your friend or, or, or somebody or your spouse or your family members? Um, a lot of times people who are closest to you can hurt you the most. I mean, just like the story I told you about my nephew. I would like it if you know, one, of your one of your parents said that to you. See, the people you barely know or are never with, what can they do to you? It's mostly people you are vulnerable to who know you and whom you love or are close to, and that's the ones that get offended the easiest. I'm mother, daughter, brother, son. I mean, uh, sisters, brothers, husbands, wives, all of them. Um, <clears throat> As people open up their life to you and they know you're strong and your weak points, but a faithful man will not abuse that privilege. Amen. You know, God doesn't make us a judge. Remember that a few weeks ago, it was right down there in Romans. Really, the thing you judge people about is the very thing you're doing and you don't know it. It says it right, right in well, maybe Romans 2. I didn't put that in my notes, but I'll just read it to you. Okay. Therefore, you have, this is not amplified, you have no excuse or defense or justification, whoever you are who judges and condemns another. For imposing as judge and passing sentence on another, you condemn yourself because you who judge are habitually practicing the very same things that you censure and denounce. And you don't know it. <laughs> you don't even know you're doing it. Have you ever seen somebody who does that? I have. We jumped, we got jumped down to verse 3. And you think or imagine man when you judge and condemn those who practice such things. And yet you're doing them yourself. That you're going to escape God's judgment and elude his sentence and verdict. Are you so blind <laughs> to underestimate the kindness of God? 
Just something to think about. And even in ministry, don't betray others, especially those who came up, you came up under, who helped you get started, even if they do wrong later. Are you their judge? No, just pray and intercede. Okay. Okay. Go to 1 Samuel uh, 24, except I probably we won't look at the scripture for a while. So just leave it up there, though. All right, 1 Samuel 24. Okay, David became, you know, you know David. He, can, he came connected with Saul. And David did only good. You know, David got Goliath, and Goliath, you know, that was when uh, Saul was the head of the army, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So David did only good to Saul, but God used David to win a battle with Goliath and the Philistines under Saul's leadership. And then he led all of Saul's troops to victory. David did. Little David. Okay, and Saul, after the victory, Saul got jealous of him. And he had been disobedient way back and he became tormented with a demon, literally. It said, David, and he asked, he says, is there anybody who can play the harp? Who is that boy? See, way before David even killed Goliath, David was, was, uh, could go into the, the palace or whatever, and he was good at playing the harp, and he would, he would make soothe his mind. So David would play the harp to comfort him, and there was actually an anointing on David. And David, in fact, he did many things to help Saul in his personal life, even before that. But out of fear of losing his position, Saul, and envy. Have you ever had envy and out of fear because you're going to lose your position? <laughs> Saul sought to kill David, and he pursued him, and he chased him. Now that was deception. And some people return evil for the good you do them. Anybody ever experience that? I <laughs> And boy, I tell you, that's where you got to get in the love confession. But it's not, it's not going to help you to hurt them back. See, learn this. Even if you take vengeance on that, you're not going to feel better. Maybe the flesh will feel good for one second. <laughs> one second yeah. But down in your spirit, if you're really a Christian, you're going to regret it. Yeah. And you're going to know you failed the Lord. Yeah. But know this, even if you did these things in the past, you can repent now and be forgiven. But you got to forget it. You can change and you can be different. How yeah. oh, thank God for repentance. Do you really realize repentance is a gift? But Saul chased and pursued David, and he sent soldiers to kill him. But on more than one occasion, the Lord gave, gave Saul right into David's hand. I remember once they said he went into a cave, you know, and, uh, and he was, David and his men were hiding in that cave. Actually, you know, went in the cave to relieve himself. It says it right in the Bible. And his men were right close to him. And Saul was unprotected, and his men kept saying, kill him, kill him, kill him. You got your chance. And they could have killed him. But, they, you know, 
he would not do it. Now put up verse 9. We're going to read 9 through 13 out of the Amplified. Okay. So, and David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men? He actually started talking. You know what? Start before that. Uh, start with verse, did I, I should have changed that on my notes because it was with about verse 7. So David checked his men with these words and, and because they said, hey, Saul's right in there. They were in there sleeping or whatever, or standing. He did not let them rise against Saul. But Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Okay, keep going. David also arose afterward and went out of the cave and called after Saul and said, My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and did obeisance. Or in other words, worship, you know, just kind of our uh, honor. He honored him. Um, now, this was after he could have easily killed him. Okay, go on. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say David seeks to do you harm? Behold, your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hands in the cave, and some told me to kill you. But I spared you. I said, I will not put forth my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. He called him anointed. Okay. See, my father, see the skirt of your robe in my hand. Since I cut off the skirt of your robe, he cut off a little piece of it to prove it, and did not kill you, you know and see that there is no evil or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, yet you hurt my life to take it. Keep going. May the Lord judge between me and you, and may the Lord avenge me upon you, but my hand shall not be upon you. As the proverb of the ancient says, out of the wicked comes forth wickedness, but my hand shall not be against you. Woo! See, wickedness comes from the wicked, and they hurt people. And some use the excuse, Lord told me to expose them, to go against them. No evil comes from evil. And bad things come from bad people. And in the New Testament says, a good tree produces good fruit. And an evil tree produces bad fruit. Amen. Yes. 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 No, brother. I'm, no, I'm, I was remembering a story when I taught school. Some lady in there, her, her child was doing wrong things. Okay, well, you don't know who this is anyway, so. I mean, okay, because her child came right out. She started her in school. This was a homeschool school, and they were from another church, and she said, well, I just want to tell you that this guy and I are having sex down in the church basement of our church. And I went, who, by? <laughs> I know I never told anybody, but nobody knows who I'm talking to. This is so many years ago. And um, all of a sudden then, you know, her daughter wanted to repent because we would have chapels that kind of convicted you and stuff. And all of a sudden one morning her mother comes in and she dumps, jumps on top of the table, crossed her legs and her leg was going like this. And she said, you are an evil tree. And I'm going to take my daughter out of the school. And I went, 
what? <laughs> and uh, and uh, she, I don't know, I can't remember what her daughter told her, but she, you know, she she wanted to to be good. <laughs> And her mother didn't realize what she was doing. And she came against me. And you know what? She, she went to that church and told that whole church that. <laughs> that I had a, I was like, um, like the, ev exactly that scripture. What did I, yeah. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> I had to, for, she took her out. She was there for three weeks and she took her out. And um, then her and the whole Several other women came into one day, and I just found out my daughter, Patty, she, she was getting an IV. Because she had run herself down. She was in medical school, and maybe she was even in an internship, and she had just run herself down, and that they wanted me to go there and give her, maybe it was consent. I know she was old enough then. I don't know. I don't remember what it was. And they came in here, and they came in there, and they says, well, we want to come and we, the whole church is coming to, to tell you what you're doing wrong. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> and I went, I'm sorry, but my daughter's in the hospital and they just called me and I'm going to leave. Right, and I, I just, goodbye, I'm going. <laughs> you don't understand. See, I told you there's things I've experienced that you have no idea. <laughs> But I had to forgive. Yeah. I mean, I forgave them. I did because I thought, what? They don't even know what's going on. <laughs> I, I never even told her mother what she told me. Nothing. Uh, but it's just like, okay, the girl wanted help. <laughs> I think there was jealousy. With, uh, I don't know. Who knows? Anyway. <laughs> okay, so David's not saying what Saul is doing right. It's, it's messing with his life, though. And David said, God will deal with it, but my hand, my hand will not touch them. And so that's sometimes what you've got to do. Go to 1 Samuel 26, chapter 26, verses um, 7 through 9. And see, okay, so David... And Abishai went to the army by night. Do I got the right one? Okay, and there Saul, here was another incident. There Saul laying, lay sleeping within the encampment with his spear stuck in the ground at his head, and Abner and the army lay around him. They were against each other then. Okay, next one. Then Abishai, who was David's you know, leader, God has given your enemy into your hands this day. Now, therefore, let me smite him to the earth at once with one stroke of the spear, and I will not strike him twice. The next verse. David said to Abishai, do not destroy him, for who can raise his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Woo! <laughs> Who's he calling the Lord's anointed? A, a demon-possessed man. And Saul is trying to murder someone who's only been good to him. And David calls him anointed. And David is referring that God chose Saul and put the anointing on him. He did. See, because David and Saul were, yeah, well, David, what? He had the, uh, he anointed Saul 
with a vial, but he anointed David with the horn. And there was a difference. The horn of the strength of the Lord. So see, and David eventually was to take his place as king. See, David respected, though, that no matter what the man ever does, if the man's sins need to be dealt with, David will let the door do it. Ooh, I just said, thought of something. Maybe I should say it. We could put Biden in there. <laughs> but there's other people ruling him anyway. I honestly feel sorry for him sometimes when I look at his face. He's being used and he's being, I'm sure, drugged. He looks drugged. He's losing, he lost a lot of hair at the beginning. And it looked to me like chemo drugs or something. I don't know. He, but, but he was not Saul's judge. But do you see, we've got to be Christians. And his hand is not going to touch him. And we need to get this in our spirit. Go put up verse 10 and 11 on First uh, Samuel 26. David said, as the Lord lives, he will smite him, or his day will come to die, or he will go down in battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should raise my hand against the Lord's anointed, but take down the spear that is, it is at his head and the bottle of water and let us go. Because they could prove to him he had been there and they hadn't killed him. So Jesus said, in other words, offenses are going to come, but woe to him by whom they come. Do you see what our place is in love? And we cannot walk in the flesh like we used to. We're going to a higher place. People want to expose or take care of the situation. And they even come and say, well, the Lord said I could take care of it. We're not Holy Ghost police. And we do not have the right to judge or every, everyone or hurt people in the name of keeping the king and the church pure and clean. So people who police other people usually are doing the same thing and worse. Um, yeah, so I read the verse. I'll read it again. Romans 2, and this I wrote it out. Therefore, you have no excuse or justification or defense. Oh, man, whoever you are, this is written to Christians, who judges and condemns another person. For imposing as a judge and passing sentence on another, you condemn yourself because you who judge are habitually practicing the very same things that you censure and denounce. And a lot of times you don't even realize you're doing it. But we've got to be real with ourselves. Be, they think they're superior or higher ranked or prideful. Almost done. See, if people are doing wrong, it's going to come out now or later. And if they don't repent, they're going to be judged and they, they'll be dealt with but not by me or you. Why? Because evil comes from evil and bad things come from bad things. Good, God-loving people do not hurt, eat, hurt each other. And if we can't help them, the least we can do is not hurt them. Hippocratic oath. <laughs> see, can we see the hypocrisy throughout the world and even in the body of Christ? Yee, this I know this is this is <laughs> but people judging and exposing another, hurting and coming against another by the grace of God, not not us, not me. Amen. 
and I, I already said this, Hebrews 10.30, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. How does he repay? He repays the one that was hurt and, and brings them up. I've even seen that happen to me when everybody was against me, even in that homeschool, but it was another, that was another story totally. And a year later, I just shut my mouth and forgave, and a year later, they called me up. Another total denomination was Baptist, and they said, we never had such a good teacher as you, and I wish you were still here. Thank you for what you did to my kids. Thank you for teaching them how to worship in the chapel, because we never heard such good songs. <laughs> I was using Hosanna songs on a CD. <laughs> so see, it, and you just shut, I shut my mouth, and it wasn't fun for a whole year. <laughs> Because, well, we can't take her because she might have the kids, you know, uh, on the chandeliers hanging because I was spirit-filled. <laughs> See, uh, I was, I was, <laughs> anyway, uh, anyway, okay, okay. So some, some wrong quotes. I'm not a doormat, and I don't let people run over me. Come on. No, you know, don't be, if they're beating you up, don't yeah. be a doormat. Right. Get out of there. Get away. Now, I know, you, just get Corbin, and he'll defend you. <laughs> so, or Luis, when he comes. <laughs> See, well, and some people, I've heard this, they said, I got to fight fire with fire. No, you know what? You fight fire with the water of the word. <laughs> they did it to me, so I'm going to do worse to them. Nope. I won't take it. But see, and there's, there's even in martial arts, there's a, there's a way you've got to watch what the Lord wants you to do and what he wa not wants you to do. But there's nothing, I mean, you know, uh, but okay. So see, don't violate the New Testament commandment and ruin your witness. Because it could ruin your life. And there are born-again, spirit-filled Christians who had a hot head, and they took things in their own hands, and they're serving life sentences. It's ignorance when we're told very plainly in Scripture what to do. Evil comes from evil people. Bad comes. Good things come from good people. And if someone hurts you, do, do them good. Help them. Pray for them. Or just leave them alone. See, real saved people live like this. Maybe you can quote scripture for three months at work. And then someone gets promoted and you, you, and you wanted the pay raise and you get angry, you get jealous, and you even tried to get them in trouble and start gossiping about them and putting them down and you've ruined your witness. It costs you deeply. But see, you think you're a good Christian and you could quote all this stuff. It'd be a doer of what you quote. See, how will all men know we're disciples? By our agape love. By us loving each other as he loved us. And you will reap, uh, honestly, only, only good. Actually, I have I'm... Some people are probably, let me get out of here. No. <laughs> it's just a, 
I wrote this out after Kim left, this part. Okay, Philippians 2.14. Philippians 2.14. Let's just put it up. Just some things, maybe we'll just, okay, 2.14. Okay, so, do all things without grumbling and fault-finding and complaining against God and man. I put and man in my Bible. Questioning and doubting among yourselves. See, it's easy to criticize and complain about what you don't have. But be honest with yourself. It's easy to see where someone else can improve, too. Yeah. Right? Amen. But sometimes it's hard for us, though, to see that we're doing the same thing. And that we also need to make improvements in ourselves. What if everything we said during the day was recorded? You know, I've often thought of that. <laughs> Is it filled with griping and complaining and arguing and criticism about other people? And you know what? Sometimes you, I've even said to someone, well, yeah, but you said that this morning. Or you said, and they said, I did not. And we might, we do the same thing. You don't even remember you said it. And I, I can't remember saying, I should have put a tape recorder on. <laughs> the people don't realize it, and I don't either. And you know what? In other words, it, it was negative talk. But we have to pay attention to what we say and, and make the necessary changes. I mean, that's why, oh my gosh, Nancy Dufresne has a whole series of mind renewal. I mean, she started, it was all three months. She said when she got into the sound disciplined mind, she had three months worth of stuff. And this is, this is, you do this. This is the best psychology I ever, see, I even told my my nephew, because he, because of all that, there, there was just even emotional and mental stuff a little bit with him. And he said, I said, you know what? Philippians 4.8 is a psychology scripture. Brethren, think on things, your favorite, yeah, that are true. This is true. And lovely and pure and honest and just. Think on those. That's a command. In the New Testament. Yeah. And if there's any virtue and if there's any praise, think on what I just said. Yeah. Lovely, pure, honest, just, truth. And truth, the only truth is the word of the God. So see, okay, 1 Corinthians 10, 10. Real quick, you can put it up there. I'm trying to hurry up here. 10. Okay, let's, let's go to verse 9 first. We should not tempt the Lord or try his patience or become a trial to him. Critically appraise him and exploit his goodness as some of them did and were killed by poisonous serpents. He's talking about the Israelites. Nor dis 
contentedly complain as some of them did and were put out of the way entirely by the destroyer, by death. They never made it to the promised land. See, so they complained. Complaining can be such a bad habit that it becomes sin. So think of the miracles they witnessed in the desert. Because of it, they didn't, because of all that complaining, they didn't go to the promised land. What's the promised land to us? Answer to our sickness and disease, our finances, our prosperity, our marriages, our children, the whole gamut. The answers, they're in here and we say, how come I never get them? Well, maybe we need to check the complaining because criticizers and complainers start strife. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. I know I've given a lot this morning. But... Okay. You got to say, well, okay, I'm not going to say it. That's okay. Proverbs. Proverbs 6, 6, 6, 6, 6. Okay, this is good to review this, this one. 16. These six things... The Lord hates. That's the only place in the Bible I see the Lord hates something. Indeed, seven are an abomination. A proud look. The spirit that overestimates himself. And underestimates others. Okay. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. Immediately, I think of abortion. A heart that manufactures wicked thoughts and plans. You know what? Vain imaginations. It says to cast them, cast them down in Second Corinthians. You got to watch. See, that's what she's saying. What are you thinking about? What are you? Th Please listen to it. I've listened to some of them ten times. Who? What do you? Th you catch yourself. Because you could just be thinking, 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 thinking. And the devil, that's his playground. That's his battleground. That's the only place he can get you is in your mind. But also feet that are swift and running to evil. Verse 19, a false witness, a liar, who breathes out lies even under oath. And he who sows discord among the brethren. And what does it say? These six things God hates. Ooh, I didn't even know God hated anything. I mean, I did know, but... Okay, stop the blame game. Blaming God and others for your problems. And some people never take responsibility for anything that happens. It's always someone else's fault. Realize no one twists our arm when we make a decision. If we analyze your choices, a lot of times we're, we're, we should be, we're, we've reaped the consequences and we can't complain about it. I've seen that in myself. That's why I, I you know what? Be honest with yourself. I, I, see, three categories of people. So there's ex accusers, excusers, and choosers. Now, I got this from somebody else in this part. The accusers always blame someone else. Adam, he blamed Eve and he blamed God. 
And he, and he said in Genesis 3.12, it's because of this woman you gave me. <laughs> okay, the excusers say, I'm a product of my environment. Get over it already. <laughs> I mean, you can play that one for the rest of your life. Knock it off. Because if you do, you are never going to progress in Christianity. You are not a product of him anymore. You're a product of him. We've all had to overcome. Don't, oh, poor me. Well, I've had, you know, the way I was treated. Get over. I'm honestly, you can do it. We've all had to do that one. So, you know, it's never your own fault. It's always their fault. And they can always give you a reason why. Okay. A chooser. They accept responsibility for their decisions. I made the wrong decision and I'm paying the consequences. And if they make a wrong move, they're willing to reap what they sow. I've had to do that in this church. See, they ask God for forgiveness and they forgive themselves and go forward. Oop, what did God tell us this morning? Go forward. Go. Go. See, get rid of that old mentality that, what do they call it? You pray in the spirit, it washes it out of you. See, excusers and accusers never get anywhere. Really, they don't get anywhere. You gotta, you wanna get, I wanna get somewhere. See, focus on what you have. Okay, I got 1 Thessalonians 5.18 on here. I should just let Ken quote him for sake of time. My walking Bible husband. Actually, you know, verse 16 says, Rejoice evermore. Out of the King James. Rejoice all the time. That's a command. Pray without ceasing. In everything, everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You don't, you don't, <laughs> you know, oh, thank you, Lord, for giving me appendicitis. He never gave it to you in the first place. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, but, um, he, he doesn't, that, the devil gives those things. God is all good. But, you know, thank him, Lord, that you gave me the answer to do these things. Okay, so, okay, now, so, um, all right, almost done. In other words, develop an attitude of gratitude and be grateful for what you have because <laughs> you, you can't be thankful when you're always complaining. It's like, <laughs> It's like mixing water and oil. <laughs> okay, think before you talk. And when you, when you develop a positive attitude and outlook and don't complain, you stand out from other people. And in fact, Philippians 2.15. Should have gotten those together. Go back to Philippians 2.15. You know, there just isn't much time. Maybe that it lasts longer or I give you more, but 
if you want a user-friendly church, you're never going to get anywhere. Okay. Actually, it says, remember in 2.14, do all things without grumbling and complaining and fault-finding. Okay, then it says, in the Amplified, don't, that you may show yourself to be blameless and guileless, innocent and contaminated, children of God without blemish, faultless, unrebukable. In the middle of a crooked and wicked generation, spiritually perverted and perverse, among whom you are seen as bright lights. You're seen as a bright light, as a star or a beacon shining out clearly in the dark world. And people say, wow, you're different than other people. You probably had said that to you already. So see, develop, get a positive attitude and outlook and, and don't complain. And you're going to stand out from others. It's the truth. And people like that. They, and you know what? You'll inspire other people. Like in the store and stuff. Ask yourself, is it true? Does it need to be said? If something is true, does it really need to be said? Is it going to help anyone before I say it? Is it uplifting or is it upending? And in order to get more glory, we got to fine-tune ourselves and put a guard on our mouth. Don't complain, don't criticize. And we slap our mouth if we do. Because no. <laughs> you're going to shine like a bright star. You know what? And things are going to start working good for you. Aren't you glad I closed that up? <laughs> okay, so let's just stand up for right now and let's just pray. And then we'll, I will say a prayer and dismiss you for lunch. Is there lunch? Yeah. How <laughs> come I don't smell it? No. <laughs> God, I just thank you for laughter and for goodness and hallelujah. Just know this, no matter what you've done, God will forgive you and give you grace to overcome because all he wants is for your good. So Father, we thank you for the wonderful agape love that you shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. You actually gave us your love and it's in there, Lord God. And we want to pull it out. So we're, we're going to purpose from this day forward to walk in a greater degree of love. Father, and at any time or in any way that we've spoken words or done things that all the things that we talked about or hurt others or are doing something, Lord, that we're talking about and yet are not aware that we're doing it. We repent for it, and we ask the Holy Spirit to correct us and to show us. And we ask you for forgiveness. So, Lord, if I haven't seen or known it, reveal it to us and help us to see it. So we acknowledge that real love does no harm to anyone. Forgive us, and Lord, we repent for the harm that we've done to others by our words, by our actions. And set a watch, O Lord, before our mouth and keep the door of our lips. Now let me tell you something. That's in the Old Testament, though. Keep means guard the door of my lips. But we're the ones now who have to take authority. We're in the New Testament. We're, we take authority and guard the door of our lips. 
Father, I thank you that we are aware of what we're thinking about in our mind. And you said that we could cast down vain imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And then, Lord, that we have to place something with those thoughts and that we start worshiping or speaking the word of God out loud. For, Lord, we, we don't want to do anything in the future that hurts other people anymore. And, Lord, I know that maybe we'll goof up on these things, but, Lord, thank you that we will repent and notice it immediately and be alert us to it, Holy Spirit. We hear the voice of the good shepherd and the voice of strangers. We don't fall. Help us to see it, that we can control ourselves and move up to higher hearts and to check ourselves by the Holy Spirit and not say or do it. God, your will is to do only good and no hurt or harm to others. And Lord, if others need to be judged or dealt with, it's your business, Lord. And by your grace, we will not touch them with our mouth or with our hand. Let you do it, Lord God. We thank you. We praise you, Lord God, that we have wisdom and discernment and discretion in all of this, Lord, when we need to take care of something, though, and when we do not. So I thank you, Father. You gave us all the wisdom of the word is in our spirit by the Holy Spirit. And God, we are just saying right now that we promise to stay full of the word. So that burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of the anointing, God, that we have living inside of us and on us by the Holy Ghost and praying in tongues, Lord God, that we would use that anointing, Lord, and that it would come up, up out of our spirit, Lord God, as we hide the word in our hearts, Lord God. And Lord, we thank you that the glory will become more and more for because you said as we behold the word of God and we look in a mirror, we become just like you. We look in the mirror and say, what's the Lord doing in my mirror? <laughs> I was trying to check my makeup. <laughs> So it's all good. So we thank you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay.